Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Retro Word, where we talk about acting, filmmaking, photography, and life. I am your host, Eric Lopez. Today, we are focusing on acting, specifically the new L.A. actor. With me today, I have a guest. She is a recent L.A. mover. I thought, who better to have fresh questions and advice for new actors than someone who has recently made the jump? Thank you for joining us, Sarah Murphy. Thanks for having me, Eric. So how long have you been in L.A.? Um, I moved out here actually a year ago from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh my goodness, it's been such a crazy journey. I always wanted to be in L.A. ever since I was younger, but I never would have imagined how different the business was in L.A. as compared to the Southeast. It's funny, everybody tells you the first year is the hardest, and by year three, it's considered home. So today, since it is acting, some of the topics we're going to cover in this week's episode are expectations versus reality, tips for settling in and finding the best city for you, headshots and photography, getting an agent slash manager, classes, auditions, and overall tips of the trade that we've encountered. Let's start off with expectations versus reality, specifically moving. So Sarah, tell us about your move to LA from Nashville. I mean, did you have a U-Haul? You know, was your car extremely packed to the brim? Who did you ride oh, with? Oh goodness, it's quite a story. The one thing I will say is have a car. Because LA, I mean, goodness, if you really want to be serious about acting, I mean, you're driving everywhere to auditions. And public transportation really isn't that great out here. And, you know, auditions, you have to be on time. So the risk of being late, my biggest advice is have a car that works. So I had that and I was... Very fortunate for that. I was living at home, saving money to be out here, but honestly, I really didn't make a lot of money during the time I was home. I was home for about almost a year and a half. You know, you just have to have a plan when it comes to finances. So I saved money, and I'll tell you, I had $3,000, and my first advice is, oh, that is not enough. So I would definitely say 5000 or more, but you know, I've known people who come out here with $300 in their pocket, and they make it work. In what month did you move? I moved in August. What made you choose that month? You know, I actually secured managers at an acting convention and I was in contact with them and that was kind of like my little push that gave me an extra drive to get here. You know, like now that I have this representation, yeah, I came out and my dad and I drove cross country together. We kind of took like a road trip. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that was so wonderful. And um, I had a yard sale, sold everything I owned, packed the car with everything I had, which mostly included clothes and shoes. Of course. And it's funny too, because I came with clothes and then being out here as an actress, I discovered you have to have a whole audition wardrobe. What you wear to an audition is so key. Like certain colors stand out. I've discovered going to auditions is kind of like going to a big job interview every day. So you want to look your best. And the casual clothes you have to hang out with friends or your workout clothes, you know, you don't wear those to auditions. So you wrote with your dad and you guys had like a little plan. Did you, did you know where you were going to end up? Did you have roommates set up, anything? Before I moved here, I was on Craigslist, Roomster, Trulio. I was on every outlet you could have to have roommates because I knew I couldn't afford to live on my own. And so I was in contact with all these different people and I had a few to meet up with. But, you know, that's another tricky battle because I didn't want to get a room with somebody I'd never met before. And um, I actually was considering couch surfing which is a wonderful option for free. You can stay on people's couches, which sounds awful, but they're actually, they call it couch surfing. It's really nice rooms in people's homes. And I had a couple of friends who did that, made best friends for life, best experience, because people who kind of are willing to open their home usually are travelers and just usually very open people, I've discovered. But um, of course, I told my dad that idea and he almost had a heart attack. Of course, because <laughs> they're going to worry, especially, you know, I think a lot of times people come, they're afraid to make the big move because you know, you're not going to know anybody. Another expectation versus reality is traffic. Yes, there is traffic. Yes, you will get tired and feel fatigued from just driving. I'm sure you've experienced that too, sir. Yeah, the traffic thing is, well, it's funny because I've always spent a lot of time in my car just traveling different places. And um, I found I would get very tired easily because I would go through the day and I'm like, why am I so tired? And then I realized, you know, being in traffic, you have to be present for so long. And um, instead of being on your phone or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's illegal to talk on the phone with your ear, which is no not in that. Nashville. So that was something new. So I would, you know, casually put on speaker in my lap, talk to mom and dad. I do advise not talking on the phone at all when you drive in L.A. because... It is quite terrifying. You know, I feel like I'm driving a Mario Kart half the time. And you totally get used to it. But even when my dad and I moved out here, I mean, he was terrified. Like, we avoided everything we possibly could on the freeway because it's just like a mess. But I also discovered I um, keep 
trail mix and like nuts in my car now. Oh, that's smart. To yeah. keep my energy up when I drive because you really, you know, you got to have little tricks. Especially if you're on the go all the time. A lot of people forget to eat, you know, and I think traffic is a great time. If you need to make a phone call home to like loved ones, you know, maybe get, you know, invest in one of those little headsets for your ears in case your car doesn't have Bluetooth or something. And, and also, yeah, keeping snacks and stuff in the car that, that won't melt in the L.A. heat. Try to avoid freeways during morning times unless it's like super early, like 6 a.m. or before. And avoid highways after 4 p.m. because really it's just it's really a mess. A lot of people here take side roads, like major side roads, and even those can get cluttered. Uh, tickets is also another big thing. And, you know, not movie tickets, but parking tickets. There there are a lot of signs. You can't park here at this time, but you can park here at this time, but you get towed away if it's this day. So you want to make sure that you take, you know, a good look at the sign. You take a picture or anything and, and watch out for street cleaning days. I know Sarah has announced <laughs> quite a few oh. tickets. How, how many tickets did you have when you first moved out here? Probably, in like, let's just say the first couple of months. Oh, my gosh. In my first month moving to L.A., first month, this is like less probably three weeks. First three weeks, I had $800 in parking tickets. Mind you, I'd saved $3,000. So that was about $1,000 gone to parking tickets. And the thing was, everywhere I went, there was a sign, a sign. And, you know, for me, I'd be at an audition and the reader, reader would run out and be like, oh, they won't really check it. They don't really check it in Nashville. Falses people are on the meters. Like, oh, yeah. Crazy. And the tickets here, they're $70 a piece, you know? And it's wild. But the thing that really got me is, my car was towed in Hollywood. My roommate and I went to this network event. And the thing is, let me tell you, if your car gets towed in LA, it's $400. So then you go to the lot to get it out and they give you a $200 ticket on top of that. So you're right there at $600. And if you can't afford that, they charge you $80 for every day you don't get out the lot. Struggle's real. Struggle is real. And um, I also learned in Beverly Hills, after five, you can't park because they pay there. The neighbor like hood pays for you not to park in the neighborhood at five. Oh my gosh, Pe- things people don't tell you. So yeah, pretty much ridiculous, crazy, crazy stuff with tickets. Just watch out for that. Be aware and don't don't owe eight hundred dollars. Oh, don't owe eight hundred dollars. Moving on to financial situations and trying to make a living out here, you hear the typical. You know, oh, he's an actor. Okay, what restaurant does he work at? You know, that's the typical, you know, joke. But that is a reality as well. And I think a lot of times, because everyone's so busy with auditions, they get fired so quickly. So it's almost like, you know, a revolving door. And and something that an acting coach told me one time, which really resonated, was don't worry about getting fired because at the end of the day, you didn't come out to L.A. to move up the ranks in the restaurant chain business. You know, you're not you're not working to be the head chef. You know, you came out to L.A. to be an actor or you came out to L.A. to be a writer or whatever you came out to L.A. That's what you need to do. So this is just another side job and a side gig. And I know you've experienced some difficult jobs with serving and whatnot. So maybe you can enlighten the audience here on things that you've learned from that job. Oh, yes. Serving in L.A. Well, I've served tables for 10 years on and off. So, you know. Serving tables is nothing new, perfect as an actress. You know, you usually start work at five, auditions usually end by four during the day, great. But I couldn't get a serving job to save my life when I first moved here. 10 years of experience, I'm like, what on earth? But I learned quickly, never ever tell a restaurant you're an actor. Everybody is an actor who's a server out here. It is the truth, but you never say that in an interview. That is my true tip to people. And also when it comes to serving out here, it's it's a very tough industry because it's very physically and mentally draining because you're still memorizing food items and having to be on. And I think as an actor too, a lot of people feel like they always have to be on and ready to talk to someone or network. And when you do that during the day in auditions and then go straight to serve tables at night and do the same thing, I mean, it's like 12 hours of just being fully present. And um, a lot of servers are caffeine addicts, so get ready for that one. Along the way down, I find many people who are servers get stuck in that industry. Oh, yeah, because you're working all the time and you, you say to yourself, okay, well, I'm going to make enough money to 
to kind of, you know, survive, pay rent. And I'm also going to do this on the side. But you're really, I, everyone that I've talked to and me, including whenever I first started out, I was working, the, I think it was like a nine to seven job at You Break, I Fix. And, and you're working like four to six days a week and you're just work, work, work. And the few days that you do get off, you just want to go home and you want to relax. If you do get a day off, you're just like, oh, okay, you know what? I need to do laundry. I need to clean the apartment. You find that you have to run these errands, the normal errands that you typically do every day or you're supposed to do every week. And and you don't have time for creative things. You don't have time to invest into your acting un- unless, you know, I don't know, unless, unless you take time off or anything. But then it goes back to the whole financial circle. It's like, oh, well, I need the money to be able to take time off. It's a tricky battle. You know, I, um, I have found one of the greatest... Um, side jobs out here people don't tell you about is brand ambassador work. What is a brand ambassador? So LA, one of the biggest cities in the United States, is full of events. There are 5Ks, there's charities, there's trade shows, there's a lot of events. So brand ambassador is basically somebody who loves being around people and likes events to basically work an event. And sell a product. You're selling a product. Sometimes you hand out flyers at the door. One time I helped with a 5K at a gym. And I, my goal was to just pump people up and dance to music. And brand ambassadors usually get between 18 and 25 an hour. Basically, if you're an actor, you're easily hired because you just are interacting with people. And I've honestly got some of my best film projects through brand ambassador work because you're interacting with people who are usually in the industry. Well, there you go. I mean, there's also dog walkers, photographers, wedding videographers. You can also be an extra background, you know, in acting. You can do commercial work. There's extras and backgrounds and commercials too. You can get into voiceovers. You can be a hand model, a foot model. There's so many different modeling things out there. And even if you don't think that you have the model look, why not give it a shot? I mean, there's always different types of models out there. You can also rent things out. You know, you can register your car to be used in a TV show or film. Just other things like that to make a little income here and there. The cost of being an actor, you know, there's headshots that you have to do that you have to upload fees for actors access. There's, you know, meters that you have to pay each time you go to an audition. There's gas, there's on tapes you have to do. Just keep those things in mind when you're doing taxes because a lot of those things are tax write-offs. Moving on to tips for finding your city. It's very interesting because I know a lot of people, you know, usually come out and they want to, you know, experience the whole LA lifestyle. I, I, I know me personally, whenever I first moved out here, I moved to West Hollywood. I lived near Santa Monica Boulevard and there would be parties every night that you could hear from the local bars. I think it's great, but I'm also not a party person, you know? So if you're not a party person, I would not suggest going to West Hollywood. It's also a lot more expensive. I know there is Hollywood as well. Hollywood is different than West Hollywood. Hollywood is kind of more of the touristy area. It is a little bit cheaper than West Hollywood, but at the same time, it's not as nice. There's also the beach areas. Some people think, oh, I want to go to the beach. I want to live by the beach and and ride my bike down the pier or something. But every single person that I've talked to has lived by the beach or lives by the beach. They don't go there that often. You really have to set aside time to go to the beach because you're working most of the time. And you, you're trying to pay off this, this high rent that you're paying to live by the beach. So unless you're, you're really getting big bucks and you really enjoy the beach that much, you're going to be there every single day. I would suggest not worrying about it because then otherwise you're not going to be able to see your friends that are, you know, living somewhere else. Cause not everyone can afford like to live by the beach and everything. Santa Monica, Marina del Rey, some of the options. There's also the Valley, which for me feels more like home, like Texas and I know Sarah also lives in the Valley as well. She's from Tennessee. And, you, you know, we both talked about this. It's not really a city feel. Yeah, that kind of blew my mind, too, because I feel like as an actor, people usually have the battle between do I move to New York or L.A.? And New York is a city and you get the vibrant flair of culture and people. But moving to L.A., I, it's mostly a bunch of just neighborhoods. And um, I found every neighborhood is big enough to be its own little city. So every neighborhood has a different personality, too. So when you find the neighborhood that you like best, I mean, it can it can be home, but if you never really make an effort to make your neighborhood home, then I feel like you can just easily get lost in LA. When I first moved here, I was in Burbank, which is in the valley as well, and I didn't know anything about Burbank. And um, Burbank is quite the opposite of West Hollywood. It's low town living, local coffee shops, sidewalks. You know, they have like oh, yeah. ladies night out on Friday where you can have food trucks and live music. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Burbank's also... A lot cheaper apartment wise but how home wise it's not but um 
Yeah, I discovered some of my favorite areas were Los Feliz, which is near Griffith Park, which is one of the biggest parks out here. Yeah, Silver Lake area and all that, yeah. Yeah, a lot of um, young people. And then North Hollywood was another area I heard to check out before I moved here. And there's a lot of young actors that live there, and it's like a cool art district. But um, North Hollywood is very cheap as well. I mean, I lived there for a little bit, and that's the cheapest rent I've found. I guess it's just when you come out here, I would say explore the neighborhoods because once you find the one that fits you you know LA can really be home there's also Sherman Oaks area the Encino area Van Nuys is another city that's very close to Sherman Oaks but it is a lot different I mean it's less nice not as you know kept up you know I go there for tacos there's a big Latino community there Uh, it, it just depends on what you're looking for you know overall as far as auditions go as far as like locations I have found that Burbank has a lot of TV auditions and some film auditions as well there's also Cats, like C-A-Z-T. That's a, more of an indie film type place where, where people hold auditions. And that's in West Hollywood. So you'll find a lot of those out there if you're doing self-submissions, especially if you don't have a manager or an agent yet. As far as Hollywood goes, there actually really aren't that many auditions there. I remember whenever I first started out, I was doing like Nickelodeon Disney stuff. And they have an audition place there, like a stu- one of their studios is out there. Is there a place there where you've gone? I go to a lot in West Hollywood. There's one called the Space Station that's pretty popular. I've gone to one near Beverly Hills pretty often. But yeah, I would say I feel a lot more auditions are in West Hollywood as opposed to the Valley. I guess in the Valley, you don't get the loud nightlife and it's a lot more quieter. But I will say overall living advice, you know, whichever neighborhood you live in, I would just highly avoid Hollywood. It's funny when I moved here, everybody's like, oh, you live in Hollywood. And it's funny moving here, then you see Hollywood and you're like, oh no, Hollywood is a little dangerous. And since there's so many tourists, you know, it's not a very peaceful, quiet place, but it's not like New York where it's like the vibrant culture walking around. It's like the people who came in on a big vacation and want to go to happy hour and they're all just hammered and want to take pictures. So it's quiet. So if you say you're an actor, you know, the tourists are just going to go crazy over that. Having worked in Hollywood, I worked at Madame Tussauds for a little bit. It, yeah, it is a different beast there. Like, there is no weekend or weekday there. It's it's always a weekend. There's always so many tourists there. And if that's your style, go for it. If not, you know, I would definitely, if you want to settle down, I would definitely go for the Valley and just be ready to make the commute to West Hollywood for, for auditions. Moving on to another segment where I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, Sarah. So I hope you're ready. Oh, okay. Favorite actor and actress. I was not ready for that. Wow. Um, well, as a child, I had a huge crush on Leonardo DiCaprio, but um, I loved his films. And it wasn't like it wasn't like the Titanic ones that sold me. It was like Blood Diamond and Aviator. I was like, he really makes choices about films that make an impact in people's lives. And I've always admired him for that. He is one of my tops. Um, I'm going to say the top right now, even though I'm sure that sounds so cliche and that's every girl's dream man. But um, I do love Michael Scott as well from The Office. I would love to spend a day with him. I feel like we would have a great time together. But overall, Leo's your guy. Overall, I feel like it's Leo. And what's your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie. Wow. I have a li- I have like top five Um I love Remember the Titans. I love Rain Man, Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, and I really do love Blood Diamond to bring it up again. <laughs> I know that's not a very happy movie, but um, yeah, I like movies that have social impact and make you think. I think that's what it is. I, you know, I'm not a big superhero movie person. Um, nothing against that, but for me, I like movies that when you leave the theater, you are going to want to make a change in your life or somebody else's life because of what you've just seen. And what is your favorite TV show? Oh my goodness. Well, I used to do a lot of improv back home and uh, was getting to stand up. And so I love comedic TV shows. Right now I just started Parkless Recreation and it is like, if you like The Office, it is like the female version of that. Everyone loves Parks and Rec. Oh, it's so good. But besides that, hands down, favorite show is Lost. But right now, my dramatic TV shows, Parenthood. And what are your favorite things to do on your days off? Three things. Days off? What are those? Oh my gosh. That's another thing I learned, you know, you, you learn when you're out here, you know, when you have a day off, it's hard to like 
fully enjoy yourself because there's always so much more you can be knowing about the business. You know, there's always an agent to research, a networking event to go to, a class to sign up for, um, a new skill to learn to develop on your resume. So learning to relax has actually been quite um, something I've had to learn, which is kind of crazy to say out loud, but you know, you have to take time to be a complete human or you won't be fully present for auditions. So during my time off, I am, well, I love to be outside. I wish I could camp more out here. That's one of my favorite things to do in the world, but I love to go hiking and um, to the beach with friends. And I love the library. Oh, a great cup of coffee in the library. I could be there for hours. And the last question, if you could give Sarah from one year ago, new Sarah from LA advice, what would you say? Wow, that's a good question. And I guess I would say to Sarah, I would say go. Because being out here, I've developed some of the greatest friendships and relationships and opportunities. And, um, you know, I always heard people say it all works out. Um, It always works out how it's supposed to. And that's hard you know, to fully understand when you're broke and you're about $800 in debt with parking tickets and you don't have an agent or manager, you know where to begin. You don't know anybody in this city. And I felt lost many times, but um, I will say I I prayed a lot and this sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, I being so like lonely and broke and having no friends, I don't know anybody, I would try out these different churches and they always have these little prayer cards you know, write a prayer and the church prays for you. And I remember before I moved out here, my grandma was like, Sarah, you know, if you ever struggling, just ask people to pray for you. Because when, when more people pray for the same thing, it's like angels in God's ears. And I don't know why, but of all the advice I got about moving to LA, it was those words from my grandma that I just couldn't forget. And I started writing these little prayer cards and please provide finances and friends and living situation. And I really, truly think the power of prayer changed it for me. So I would tell little Sarah back in Nashville that don't lose the faith when you go because that's what got you there. And don't forget about that. And you would tell the Sarah that showed up to LA, be careful with parking tickets, right? <laughs> I would tell little Sarah, get more money in the bank, honey, and... Don't park on street cleaning. Don't even risk it. That's the thing. I would just risk it for an audition. It'll take like 15 minutes. No, they'll find you. (laughs) And moving on to getting an agent and manager. Now, I know a lot of people always wonder, you know, oh, where do you get a manager? How do you get an agent? How do you get a manager to care about you, an agent to care about you? And the honest answer really is there is no actual clear-cut way to get a manager or agent. There's so many different ways to get one that it's almost like you have to try them all and open yourself up to to really give yourself an opportunity to succeed. I mean, the more the, the more opportunities you give yourself, the more opportunities you have to succeed and actually get someone to to believe in you. You know, you have to put yourself in that situation before anything can happen. Um, but first and foremost, I would say get a manager first. If if there's anything that I've learned, it's it's how important managers are. You know, it, managers out here they'll they'll have a list of of clients that are already they've already been out here. Some of them are kids, some of them are adults, but they they already have relationships. They already have agents that represent these other clients. So if you get a manager first, things start becoming a little bit easier. You know, if you get a manager that really works for you, they're gonna immediately try to set up meetings for for agents. And these meetings are going to be from agents that already represent other clients of theirs. If you don't have any like leads or anyone to kind of guide you in any way with a manager, I would say research workshops, you know, look into them, see what type of people each manager has. And if what type, what type of people they have on their roster, like, do they have people that look similar you know, get IMDb Pro. Do you, I mean, do you have IMDb Pro? Oh yeah, that is the best outlet I ever got out here. IMDb Pro. You can research, you can see every actor's management and their phone numbers, their emails, their addresses. It's all there for you. And you know, I came out here blind, didn't have a manager, but, um, I self-submitted a lot and you can self-submit on websites all the time, which is wonderful. And, um, I ended up booking a music video and used, that is leverage. And so I was kind of like, hey, I'm in this music video. And I applied 
to 40 managers. I researched them on IMDb Pro and picked up manager books. And um, it's a thing in LA that, you know, if people don't want to talk, they just aren't going to respond to your email. So I sent out 40 emails and I got three responses. One said 40 emails, 40. Oh my gosh. And that, you know, that was a lot of time. Um, But that's what you got to do. And well, one responded and said, contact me in two months. One said, I don't have room in my roster. And one was like, let's meet. And I ended up signing with that one and they've been great. So basically the difference between agents and managers is agents have more clients anywhere between like 50 to literally hundreds. You know, some of the higher tier agencies will have hundreds of clients uh, managers have anywhere between five to a hundred. I mean, same thing. It's like the higher tier guys, they have a team of managers that will have a hundred or more. And I would say anywhere between 20 to 50 is a good range for a single manager, anything more. And they might be spreading themselves thin unless they have multiple people involved, but definitely managers are the way to go. Word of mouth is great. I mean, I, I personally saw a, a huge success rate from doing acting class and then making sure that those acting classes have some type of end of year like show or some kind of showcase, you know, where they show your talents the best way they can be marketed in this industry. You know, if you're the typical jock, then they're going to put you in a scene where you're going to be a a jock. If you're an emo girl, then they're going to put a scene where, you know, where you're being kind of like a teenager, like an angsty teenager or something. You know, they're going to they're going to play for your type and people in the industry are going to show up and they might not be high tier people from you know, that represent Brad Pitt or something like that. But at the very least, it's a start and they'll at least get you a few credits underneath your belt. Moving on to self-submitting, websites like Actors Access, Cats, C-A-Z-T, Casting Frontier, Casting LA, Backstage, and even IMDb Pro give you an opportunity to self-submit even without an agent or a manager. They give you an option to submit projects in case you want to shoot your own sketches to or films, which is a really good idea if, if you don't already have a manager or agent and you're trying to be seen. Just make a YouTube channel, you know, put yourself out there, go to go to improv shows, be a part of a sketch troupe or a improv troupe, do stand up. You know, I, I've heard so many times that managers and agents will go out to these shows, even theater and whatnot. And they'll find new clients. I mean, even executives from, you know, CBS or Fox, they'll go to these shows to see what's out there and what's fresh. I mean, social media has become so big that casting directors will literally give you an opportunity because you have so many followers. There are fees for some. I mean, out of all these, I would personally say Actors Access because it's been around the longest and I've heard many other people getting work from it. I know, Sarah, you know, you've been submitting a lot to Actors Access and there's, you know, there's a lot to kind of go through. So maybe kind of, you know, tell people kind of what you do whenever you're self-submitting. Yeah, self-submitting was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in L.A. One, because there's so many auditions. It's actually, if you love this business, it's quite exciting as an actor. I guess the tricky thing is when you self-submit, you're basically doing the job a manager or agent would do for you. So you have to go through all these breakdowns and um, it takes a lot of time. And you and you realize how much work they put in. Oh, so much work. Finding like, you know, a breakdown will give you the age range and the character and the project and when it's shooting and, you know, you got to check your calendar. Do you match? Do you like the role? It's a lot to go through, but I have found my favorite one is Actors Access solely because Actors Access allows you to have a comment box and basically you can pitch yourself what a manager or agent would be doing. And um, I just started learning to pitch myself. I would research the casting director or the director and find something we had in common or something that I knew I could relate to this role with. You would write like little notes or something like that with the audition? Yeah, I would always write a note why I wanted this part, um, a link to my website. And I found that the notes, when I was excited about the project, I was always called in for. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you were a writer or director, you want to work with somebody who's just as passionate about your project as you are. I find if you show a great eagerness and passion, they want to see you. I've also found my least favorite is LA Casting. And people love LA Casting because it's one of the most reputable self-submission websites. But for me, they know how to get your money. You know, every headshot you get on, if you want a new headshot, you have to change it for $25. And, you know, a reel costs $15. They And they don't give you a box to write anything. So it's very much... You know, I find LA casting is better for those who have superb headshots and great representation. Oh, yeah. And they just keep racking up money for 
you know anything all all those online websites and and also IMDb Pro is is new to the whole casting game but, but from what I saw it looked pretty legit so you can also give them a chance uh, as far as picking your photos go I know we were going to talk about headshots and photography and everything uh, what have you seen kind of that kind of works for you do you kind of pick a photo that you really like and that's what you use for all of them or do you pick the photo depending on the project? I would say when it comes to photos, never pick it yourself. Always ask a second opinion because when I get my headshots done, I pick the photos that I thought represented me the best. And immediately, you know, I would ask my dad, my mom, friends, um, boyfriend, girlfriends, manager, and all of them never chose the ones I had chosen for myself. Even if you're not represented by a manager, if you know somebody who's been in this business, I would ask them, which of my headshots would you choose to market me with? I always say, have one where you're smiling. I've always been told if you have good teeth, smile with your teeth. And I always have a serious one too. And about how much are people paying for headshots that you've seen? I mean, there's there's different ranges. I mean, there's some headshots that are just phenomenal and you're just like, wow. And they end up costing like $800. You know, especially for girls, you're looking at makeup, hair, you know, all these different things to add on to. Uh, what would you really suggest as far as price range? And, you know, do you need a makeup artist? Do you need a hair person? All that stuff. I would. Well, before I moved out here, I researched a bunch of different photographers and um, got recommendations from people. And I ended up going with a guy. And as a person, I absolutely love him. Um, I'm not going to say his name. But when it came to the headshots, they cost me $600. And I remember I got them back. You know, he gave me all the proofs, about 400 pictures. My manager was just like, this, you know, I can't really work much with this. And um, he was very reputable, had done many celebrities, but he was a lot older. Sometimes the older people, they aren't as sharp when it comes to everything. So I went through a few rounds of headshots. I flew home one point, had my dad do some on the fly. I will say I've always been told that you can get great headshots between 250 and 300. You just have to find those people. Because the ones with big names are going to charge 600 500 150 for a makeup artist. And they'll be good, but I find that if you Google best headshot photographers in LA, you'll see a list of the top six. You will get good headshots, but I find a lot of them, you know, just snap a lot of headshots as opposed to really capturing the essence of a person, their personality. And I'll have to brag for a little bit, but the best headshots I got were from... Eric Lopez, <laughs> this guy, really. I don't know if you guys know this, but Eric is a photographer and he has started his photography business. Even my manager said, who did these? Like, this is going to sell. And then I got them printed the other day at Actors Lab, a place where you get headshots printed. And they were like, who did your headshots? Like, we want their card. I say that because, you know, you Google top headshot photographers and you won't find Eric Lopez, but every management I've been with and my theatrical agent right now is using your headshots. I appreciate that. It's very true. And also it's the art of learning what shirts to wear. When you go to a photography session, I'm telling you that style thing is huge. Like a color that pops with your skin tone can really make or break a photo too. So moving on to classes, I know a question that people usually ask is, should I take improv? You know, that's, that's the first thing that's like the go-to that a lot of people do. I did read an article one time and I was having a conversation about this with Zach Gallen, who was our guest last week. And, and we talked about how improv is great, but you really do have to have a foundation for acting before you can really get into improv. Just because improv is nice to like, you know, get you out of your shell and, you know, so you can be yourself. In reality, it's not really going to help with acting that much if you don't have a foundation. So my first recommendation would be to take either a scene study class, which is an ongoing every week type of class. Sometimes they use TV and film scripts. Others use like theater plays. Uh, some classes like, you know, Anthony Mendel's makes you really understand yourself, your body, natural mannerisms, you know, your look, your tendencies, and they help you use it to your advantage when working on characters. Uh, the other the other side would be audition technique class, which is what I took whenever I first came out here. And I thought it helped me tremendously just because I still got a chance to play around with different characters. They specifically focus on more like TV sides. And these are current auditions that they're using. So they actually take sides from like show facts or something and they use those to actually work 
on in class. So it's great for auditions. Auditioning really is a style in itself. And you're in a room with a casting director and a reader that sometimes, you know, doesn't really give you something to play with. And sometimes it's like acting to a wall. I mean, it's technically not their job to act with you. So you just have to be ready for, for the different casting directors and what they'll give you and really putting yourself in a zone where you can succeed and book the job. I mean, scene study is great, but what good is scene studying being the best actor if you are not a good auditioner? I mean, Al Pacino wasn't a great auditioner. There was a book where he talked about how nervous he got for auditions. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Sarah, with auditions. Yeah, when I first moved out here, I'd get so excited about it going on auditions, but when I would go to an audition, it was like I had suddenly forgot how to act. And it wasn't that I had forgotten it was just every room was so different like you don't know what to expect there's going to be 10 people there there's going to be one person they're going to act with you they're not going to act with you they're never going to look at you they're going to film you in three different angles and um i did i started taking audition technique when i first moved here and that was probably the best decision and i think that's a great segue to auditioning auditioning in general i would say just first first and foremost just relax you know just have something to do afterwards don't be desperate i mean it really comes through in the room whenever you walk in and you're just like, I really want the job. I really want the job. So I would say first, just, you know, relax. Don't think that this is going to be it. Definitely put all your work and effort in beforehand. But when you walk into that room, just own it. And I hate to burst any bubbles here, but I'm just going to lay some truth out about series regulars and, and star rules. There is a ladder and all casting directors I have heard talk about this subject agree. It's it's very rare for you to get a guest star role if you don't have any TV credits. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've shot a million shorts and features with your friends. I mean, your theater major is not going to help your resume as much as you think it is. I mean, if it comes down to you and someone who has TV experience, they will go with the person that has TV experience. The only exception is if you are a viral figure in social media with a bunch of followers or, or videos with a lot of views and you and your manager have already pitched this to the casting director and they will be willing to see you just based off this built-in following that you have i mean it is a common misconception that you know being a theater major or or going to some type of like you know film school where you learn acting or something like that's going to give you a leg up over the competition and in reality it's it, the only way it's going to give you a leg up is if you know someone if you meet someone in the school or something that kind of gives you an in. Yeah, well, I majored in journalism and I double minored in theater and film. And I always heard, you know, have that fallback degree. You know, it's funny. Most people are actors, you know, when you talk to them, probably like 80% of them did not major in theater. Oh, I was going to be a physician or, oh, I was a chemist for a while or I went to business school. And I find that at the end of the day, when it comes to acting in LA, it's a whole nother ball game. And your degree matters when you were getting it at the time. But in LA, I mean, it really doesn't matter if you majored in business or you majored in theater because learning the art of scene study and the TV and film, you know, you don't study that as a theater major. You learn a lot and your foundation's great and it makes you a great actor. But I have learned, and I vouch for this 100%, that the actors who you see on TV know the business side you know you can be a great theater actor but if you don't know the business side and how to market yourself you're never going to get seen now i'd also say go into the room with this mentality i mean it's an opportunity to have fun create a character and and get to act with an audience i mean that's that's a great opportunity my manager once told me that the goal should not be to win the role but to win the room when winning the room as in like win over the casting director or the producers that are in the room or watching the tape. And even if you don't book it because you aren't what they're looking for or you don't have the credits that they're looking for, that casting director can still remember you and become a fan. I mean, you are planting seeds. When I first came out here, that's that's what I was telling all my friends. You know, they're like, oh, man, are you going to be in, you know, the big screen? And am I going to see you at the movie theaters? And I told him, no, man, I mean, I have to start, you know, somewhere. I have to start off probably, you know, being an extra or they're saying one or two lines here and there and then eventually work my way up. I mean, doing a casting office here, a workshop there, make a list of people that you have seen and their styles. I mean, some people read fast, some like more subtle work, you know, some like facial expressions, like bigger facial expressions. Make a list of who likes you too. And those are the ones you can update when you book co-stars and whatnot. You may not book for a while, like months to a year to a couple of years. I mean, there's people that are out here for years and they just they just don't book. And it's nothing to be discouraged about because I've always been told that it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's people that don't even break until like 
later on into their life. I mean, you may be a better dad than you are a teenager or a college actor, you know, like you may be a better mom like character than you are a, you know, I don't know, like teenage, you know, prom queen or something. So don't be discouraged. And after you've planted the seeds and have gone to workshops, winning people over, you will see the same casting directors bringing you back into the audition room for different parts. And that's a good sign. I mean, eventually you will book a co-star with a few lines, and then hopefully that credit will lead to other casting directors and producers trusting you on set and getting a couple more co-star bookings and then maybe a guest star booking. And then maybe from there you go into being a recurring role in a show where you keep coming back every once in a while. And then you'll be in serious contention each time you walk into any audition, like a series regular role or a star of a TV show. Some keys to booking, I would say first step is to recognize your role in the grand scheme of things. If you have two or three lines to one of the main people on the show, know your role. I mean, is it delivering information, establishing a location or mood? Find out your reason for speaking. Don't overdo it and ground it in reality. I mean, sometimes they just need someone that looks a certain way to say a couple lines. And by you not going over the top, that separates you. I mean, watch the TV show and research how people with a few lines are acting. I mean, Entourage tends to hire very distinct personality characters with a few lines. I mean, the hot girl that says two lines eagerly and seductively. I mean, the douchebag that is a big douche. The guy who takes his job too seriously, etc. You also want to have a moment that puts you into the scene before the audition even begins. An example would be maybe you only have two lines on a CW high school teen show and the lines are, what are you doing? And don't do that. Simple enough, right? You'll be surprised how many people have the first line in an audition and they don't take the time to create the space. Maybe you're finishing a conversation with your friends, a couple of words or maybe a chuckle, and then you realize that the character you're about to speak to is doing something, reacting, establishing. You are in control of things, and if anything, it will calm your nerves if you give yourself a moment to think, hmm, what would this person be doing before these lines? It doesn't matter if you have a script. Make up a backstory. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't get the script for this TV show. I don't know the whole, the whole character. I don't know what's going on. All you need is whatever they gave you. Sometimes, very rare occasions, you can ask for a script if you're going for a, like a lead in, in a show or something. But for the most part, if you're only doing a couple lines here and there, you don't technically need the whole script to know what your purpose is in that scene. And if you really know your place in that moment, that's what's going to separate you from the next person. The audition technique classes that, that David Gray teaches at Gray Studios, which is where I went whenever I first came out here, that taught me these things, and I would strongly suggest take any audition technique class. I mean, really any audition technique class is going to really open your eyes and, and help you see how different a world it is for auditions and also just scene studies in general. I completely agree. I I took audition technique with Sarah Mornell, and oh, she's amazing. She's a very tough woman, so if you don't like to cry, then... I would not suggest that route, but um, in a great way. I feel like audition technique is perfect to start out with your acting career in LA because it really it is an art to audition. People don't tell you that, but there's a lot of technical things you need to learn. Moving on to pitching yourself, sending update emails is a good idea to agents, casting directors, managers, etc. You know, you never know who's looking for a character you recently did. You know, Sarah, I'm not sure if you actually do the update of emails. Like if you book something, do you do you email people? Who do you email? I mean, I haven't booked a series regular or anything. I've booked, um, you know, a lot of short films, but I find that's not something I update people on. Yeah, I actually haven't gone the updated route because I haven't felt like I have something big enough to announce to people, but I'm planning to write a one-woman comedic show. And when that is complete, I am sending postcards to every agent in town. Do it. Let me just tell you something. I have an agent now, and I submitted to this agent when I first moved here. This is the third time I have self-submitted to this agent, and I'm finally with them. You know, and I say that because, yeah, I don't, I didn't have a recommendation. I didn't have any referral. But um, if you keep knocking on doors, an agent is going to see that you want this. And that's what they want. And continuing on on pitching yourself, talking about emailing among friends or coworkers, no matter what you've done, be proud. I mean, you are on a journey. You don't have to oversell yourself. I mean, you may not have credits, but I'm sure you are still submitting or actively looking for agents. I mean, own that. Be proud of that. Visualize the success. I mean, you can't just say, I want to be an A-list actor on the big screen. 
that's just a goal and you have to make a plan because a goal without a plan is just a wish. You might as well just say, I wish I could be on the big screen or TV show. Take time to sit down and write a memo of your big picture. Research other people and their stories. Everyone's story is different and you shouldn't try and, and mimic someone else's success because you're not going to be able to. I mean, I, I'm going to take workshops on these days. I'm going to redo my headshots after this many months. I'm going to find a sketch or web series to be a part of. Just make a plan and you can shoot for the freaking moon. I mean, but you better have that rocket science down or you're going to feel the depression and anxiety when things aren't going right. And you're not going to know why. I mean, by having a roadmap or list of steps, it gives you like a safety blanket, you know, and ask questions. I mean, ask, ask me questions, ask Sarah questions, read books, watch interviews. The info is out there and, and you can definitely learn a lot, especially in this day and age that there's so much on the internet. You don't need to actually know the person to be able to ask for help and, or to read their, their information that they're giving out. And kind of wrapping things up, these are things that I've learned and books that I would recommend. First, I would like to say, listen to your gut. You know, be fearless, try new things, be comfortable in your own skin. I mean, how can you pretend to be someone else when you don't even know who you are and what you have to offer? I mean, certain mannerisms, facial expressions you make in regular life, no one else can do. I mean, I truly think that I became a better actor when I studied myself. Introspective thinking, but you have to think that way to get inside other characters' minds and bodies. And also, don't go out drinking or partying the night before an audition. Alcohol really messes with your memory, and you might be able to slide by, but you don't want to risk drinking too much or getting sick. Things that I've learned. Gosh, I've learned so much. Yeah, I've found, you know, there's many actors. My roommate, for example, some of her good friends believe that partying at, you know, the big clubs and the fancy parties is a great networking advice. And um, a few have met celebrities and started hanging out with them. And I find a lot of girls will sell their body, you know, not like, I'm not saying stripping. I'm just saying that like, I mean, it's an industry where sex sells. And I, I see a lot of girls going that route um, to book jobs. And the sad thing is, you know, that really doesn't book a job at the end of the day. It gets you attention and maybe it gets you free drinks at the bar. But I've met girls who, you know, go to these bars and hang out with these rising stars and people on TV in hopes that one day these stars will give them a recommendation to their agent. And, you know, it really doesn't work like that because at the end of the day, what agent wants to represent a girl you're hooking up with you met at the club? And you see that a lot out here. I mean, a lot of managers will take advantage or, or agents will take advantage and they'll say, well, this is how you're going to break through. Or they'll, they'll tell you all these sweet things. And a lot of times they might have the power to, to, kind of put you in a room or in a situation where you can succeed but at the same time they might not follow through they might not actually do it or they might actually just kind of like lackadaisically kind of suggest you or, or put you in front of these people and not really hardcore pitch you like you think they will yeah that thing about trusting your gut is so real because where I met this guy out here and um he told me that he would pick up chicks and all he would do is say I'm a director in LA and he's not a director in L.A., but he would say that, and they would just flock to him. So if you're a guy from out of town, just say you're a director in L.A. <laughs> You'll get all the ladies. No, it's it's kind of almost amusing at the end of the day how easily that line works, you know. But I find even those directors who are real directors and use that line, people respect a woman or a man that stains their ground. You know, at the end of the day, that's somebody you want to work with not necessarily be with but you know work in relationships I think are things people get very mixed up with in this industry and you just have to you have to know why you wanted to be an actor you know everybody has a different reason for being an actor and I find a lot of actors always wanted to be seen or want attention and if that's the reason you're doing it then I would say don't come you know the work is really really hard and you have to really have that passion for storytelling in the business and if you don't have that you can get sucked in you know are there any books or any other information that you would kind of suggest to people to read any books that kind of stand out to you oh yeah i read so many books before i came uh, michael kane has a great book on his acting and his experiences and also there's another one the actor's 
handbook. It's written by this wonderful woman who was an acting coach out here for years. And I can't remember her name. I want to say it's Diana. But if you Google the actor's handbook, she has like six editions and it tells you everything from where to get the headshots done, best agent, best managers, what neighbors to, neighborhoods to live in. I mean, it's back a 400 page book, but it really helped me out here. Yeah, the, definitely that Michael Caine book. I mean, I feel like everyone has that book. It's called Acting in Film. And The Art of Acting is also a great book, too. It's written by Stella Adler. Honestly, it, Stella Adler, if you don't know who she is, she she taught Marlon Brando. She was Marlon Brando's acting coach. And that book really did just completely change my perspective on acting in general and how serious you really should take it. Because she breaks it down in a way where it's almost like you're taking the class. And, you know, there are other people that have written books about acting, but I think she probably has the best perspective on it as far as, like, mixing the old styles and kind of the new styles that are out right now with the quote-unquote method acting and whatnot. There's also the book called Secrets of Film Acting. There's plays and scripts, you know, just read articles, backstage.com has some good articles for beginners and just offers another opinion on the biz. Some people may not agree 100% with some of these articles because they have casting directors, producers, writers, etc. that have their own opinion, but I have found that they give people just another perspective. Go online to Variety, watch interviews, not just of actors, it really does help to hear other people talk about the business, like directors and producers and, and even casting directors to see their side of it. And yeah, don't forget to just kind of learn another hobby or craft and read books about that too, because I, I strongly do believe that to be a great actor, you have to be a person first and there has to be a mental balance. So just just read. Just you know, learn about other people's lives. Learn learn a craft or a hobby that's really gonna make you into a complete human being. So then that way you can play these everyday characters more truthfully and honestly. So that's it for our show. As always, hit me up on Twitter at Eric V Lopez. Eric E R I C K V as in Victor Lopez. And I also want to thank our guest, Sarah Murphy. Any last words? Oh, it was an honor to be here. Um, no, your advice helped me so much. I'm listening to you and I'm like, wow, okay. Still Adler's book, you know, making personal notes. And um, I will say if you're looking for a photographer, you are one of a kind. So you should be very proud about that. Eric's secret hobby he <laughs> won't talk about. So I will tell it for him. I appreciate that. Is there anywhere that, you know, people can... You know, reach you. Uh, is it okay for for people to you know ask you questions on Twitter? Or? Oh yeah, um, my Twitter handle is um, s murphy twenty two s m u r p h r e e. People used to call me Smurf in high school, so that's kind of where that came from. And I have a website, sarahmurphy dot com. Yeah, I'd um, love to talk to anybody. And one of the things that I like to do at the very end of each show is kind of share with you guys a Bible verse that kind of talks about what we're kind of discussing on the show and for this episode it's been about you know new LA actors and success that can come from it so I just want to share with you Joshua 1.8 keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Thanks again for listening, guys. I'm Eric Lopez. This has been The Retro Word. Mm-hmm.